Well, hey guys, we're just going to get started. Uh, I have some announcements, but I'm going to hit the announcements up at the end because uh, we're just going to dive into God's Word tonight. Sound good? You guys, all right. How many of you guys are excited about studying God's Word? All right. That, that was your opportunity to make a little bit of noise. I know most of you guys lost your voices during worship, but that was a chance for you to make noise. How many of you guys are excited to study God's Word tonight? Amen. Hey, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to John. John chapter 1. Uh, and like I promised you last week, we weren't going to make it very far. Last week we were in John chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, thank you, sir. Give it up for Wesley for bringing me some water. Good man. Whew. Yeah, last week we were in John chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, if you were taking notes, the title of last week's message was Logos. And uh, this week, the title of this week's message, if you're taking notes, is Divinity. Uh, it says week one, but that's a lie. It's actually week three. Uh, it's week three, and the title of the sermon is Divinity. And uh, we're going to be in John chapter one, verse one. That's what we were in last week. That's what we're in this week. Uh, like I told you last week, there was a lot just packed into this short verse. Uh, and so we theologically, and I think brainiacly, uh, unpacked it last week. And I think some of you, including myself, walked away like, all right, now what just happened? What did I just say? Uh, or what did I just hear? And uh, if you didn't, hey, praise God, that's awesome. Uh, this week is the more uh, applicable. This is like, all right, now I can take this and run with it. Now I know all the reasons why this is true. Uh, but this week we're going to kind of be able to take it. We're going to be able to say, hey, let's run with this. We got this. It's good. So turn with me, if you will, in your Bible to John chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there already, let me know by saying holla. Uh, if you aren't there yet, let me know by saying hold up. No, hold up. We are in it. John chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... God, let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the truth that is uh, throughout your word, God. Uh, God, we just pray that tonight, these next few moments, uh, as we spend time looking at what your perfect word has to say, God, I pray that each and every single one of us, God, would get something from your word. God, that we would be able to take something home. Uh, God, that we would be able to know uh, more truth because of what your word has to say. God, I just pray that tonight as we look at who Jesus is, as we look at who the Word is, God, I pray that each and every single one of us will be able to take something, God, and that your Word uh, would encourage us. God, that we would be encouraged. We would be built up in our most holy faith. Your Word tells us that hearing comes by the Word, uh, or, or faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, God, we pray that tonight as we look at your Word, God, that our faith would be built up and that we'd be encouraged. God, I pray that each and every single one of us would be inspired. Uh, God, that we would be, uh, God, inspired to live more for you. God, that we would be inspired to do what you have called us to do. God, and we pray that your word would challenge us. God, we just pray that every time we hear your word, God, any time your word is cracked open, God, I pray that each and every single time, God, we would be challenged by what your word has to say. So, God, may not one of us leave this place the same as when we came in. God, we just pray that, um, and I pray that these would not be my words. Uh, God, anything that would be of me, uh, may it just fall on deaf ears, or may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth. But God, may your perfect word come through. God, I lay aside my own pride, my own ego. Uh, God, God, and I just say, uh, may your spirit speak through. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's saints said, Amen. 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 Alright guys, well John chapter 1, uh, verse 
one is a very important piece of scripture. But we have to do something before that. I never do this when it comes to sermons, but I'm going to do it. I always, I never like to bring like pop culture things in just because it's cheesy at times. But I think this is perfect. This isn't cheesy. This is actually toasty. So uh, this is a picture of toast that someone said they saw the face of Jesus in it. And uh, if you see it, raise your hand. If you see Jesus in the toast, raise your hand. All right, how many of you guys just see a piece of burnt toast? All right, yeah, it, it can look like Jesus. John, you can go back to the slide just previous to that. Um, that's the Jesus toast, and that made some news uh, a few years ago. Um, people talking about, I see Jesus in a piece of toast. And how crazy is this? I put it up on eBay and someone bought it for a lot of money. That's a piece of bread, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but this thing, this bread is the bread of life. That's good. The bread that has the Jesus face on it, supposed Jesus face, uh, proves something about our society. Uh, and it tells us that our society and that people must be looking for Jesus. And... They might tell you otherwise, but people are very much looking for Jesus. They are hungry. Not because it was toast. Yeah, you guys can give me a courtesy laugh. It's a bad joke. It's my only joke tonight. Last week I had some horrible jokes. It's my only joke tonight. Uh, But people are hungry, um, especially in our generation, uh, for a spiritual reality. People want to know that there's something else bigger than themselves. People want to know that there's a God. People want to know that there's some sort of cosmic power. People want to know that there's something beyond them. They want to know about a spiritual reality. And many people are searching for Jesus. They want to know if He is real. And the reason why people are searching, and the reason why maybe some of you are searching, is because we feel, from the time we were infants, we feel an emptiness inside of us that can only be filled by God. There is a God-shaped void, a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts that nothing can fill that nothing can fill but Jesus. And people want to have some fillers for this. They want to fill this this void inside them. Uh, so much so that people will go to the lengths of, of, of doing drugs, really hard drugs, chasing a high, trying to get high, trying to get high, because they're trying to chase something. They're like, can drugs fill this? Some people look for the filling in relationships, and they go from person to person and, and, and having uh, sexual relations. Maybe they find uh, their... They're trying to find their fulfillment in a bunch of things. Some people, uh, it leads them to do crazy things. Like they feel like to be full, they can kill people. Maybe they feel like in order to be full, they must kill themselves because life is too boring. But people are searching for something to fill the void. People are looking for something to fill uh, this emptiness, this God-shaped void that is in each and every single one of our lives until we receive Jesus. And they're trying to fill it with something uh, new or something different, uh, but the only thing that can fill this is Jesus. Now, how many of you guys, let's just have an example here real quick. If I were to have a piece of wood with a hole bored out of it, I used a, a drill and bored a hole right out of it, and it was a circle hole, and then I gave you a one-by-one square peg, how many of you guys would be able to get it through that circle hole? You can try. You can try. That's valiant effort. And that's what people are doing in this world. They're trying to put something that doesn't fit into something that was designed that has only one filler. And that is Jesus Christ. So this is the truth. And so there has to be a reason uh, for why we live. Okay, People are looking for the reason to why we are living. A purpose in life. And if people are looking for a reason to live, there must also be a hope when we die. If people are looking for a reason to live, 
they also are looking for some hope and some meaning to when they die as well. And so I believe, and, and, and many of you, if not all of you guys believe, that the meaning and the truth and the hope can be found within God's Word and within Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do tonight, guys. We're just going to kind of look at uh, who is Jesus, uh, who is God, uh, and the question that I want us to ask is can we truly know God? Can we truly know God? Can we truly experience God? Can we truly... Uh, and accurately know who he is, his character, his thoughts, his desires, and can we truly experience relationship uh, in a one-on-one kind of thing with God? And, and so I just want you to have those questions in the back of your head uh, tonight uh, as we're looking through this. But what I do want to say is that we're going through the Gospel of John, and John seems to answer these questions. Okay? And John tells us that we can very accurately know God, and that we can very experientially uh, get to know who God is. So as we just look at John chapter 1, verse 1, one more time, I want us to look at just a few things. This is what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So who is the Word? Last week we were looking at who the Word was. Uh, and for those of you who were here last week, who is the Word? Who is the Logos that is being talked about? Okay, Jesus. So, now aside from all the intellectual things that we learned last week, let's take a look in Scripture how we can know that this is Jesus. Turn with me if you will, uh, or you don't have to, you really don't have to, but if you want to, uh, feel free to. Turn over with me to Revelations uh, chapter 19. Okay, and this is a part um, of Scripture that's pretty important. And uh, if you're there, uh, I'm not actually going to read it because it's a whole portion of Scripture, but I'm just going to summarize it for you. So I don't even know why I had to turn there. It's just, it's just exercise. Make sure you're still moving. Uh, but this is what Revelations chapter 19 tells us. Revelations chapter 19 tells us that there will be a man who rides on a white horse who eyes, who, whose eyes are as fire, whose tongue is as a sword, who's written on his thighs, King of kings and Lord of lords, and his name is the Word. Well, who's being described in this in this portion of Scripture? It's Jesus. Jesus riding on the white horse, coming in at the final days of judgment, and coming and restoring His kingdom on earth. But His name is the Word. So the Word is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. You guys got that? Everyone got it now? So for those who weren't here last week, uh, that was the really short version of last week, which everyone who was here last week was like, why didn't you just say that like that? Well, because I didn't. Uh, but Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus. So I want us to understand this. Um, but let's talk about a word uh, real quick. How many of you guys have ever used words before? Okay, if you don't say yes, and if you don't raise your hand, or anything, just like acknowledging... Uh, you have used words before. I want to enlighten you that you have used uh, words before. Words literally give revelation and communication. Okay? Words give revelation and communication. How do I know this with all assurance? Well, because I've experienced it. But also, if I stand up here and I don't say anything and I just look at y'all. I just look around. It's awkward. It, it, it's awkward, but how many of you guys know what I'm thinking? How many of you guys know what's in my heart? How many of you guys know what's in my mind? You guys don't know what's in my heart. You don't know what's in my mind. Am I looking around saying, wow, what a great group of people. Look at I love these people. Am I saying, wow, these people are... 
Here. No, you don't know what I'm thinking. It was the first one, because I'm going to tell you it was the first one. I think you guys are awesome. I think you guys are great. Um, but you wouldn't have known that unless I said it with my mouth. Words bring both revelation and communication. Okay, We could talk forever about our words and our speech. The Bible has a lot to say about our words and our speech. James tells us that the tongue is the most powerful part of the body. It's like the rudder of a ship. It can direct it where it goes. No man can tame his tongue. Your tongue can either build people up or bring people down. Sticks and stones won't break my bo- or will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. A words actually lie. do hurt a lot. How many of you guys have ever been hurt by someone's words before? Right? Okay? It's hard. And what they say is in order to uh, rebuild someone up after you've torn them down, it takes like a bunch of nice words to bring them back up. When it just takes one word to bring them down. Words are very important. And they bring revelation and communication. And we can't know what anyone's thinking in their mind or anyone has in their hearts without words. And here's the deal. What was the question that I had us ask? The question was, can we truly know God? And can we truly experience God? And I want to just... Uh, present this to you guys in a way that we just presented it when it comes to my thinking and my heart and how I need word to give you my heart and to give you my thought. It's the same way with God. God said and desired that He wanted mankind to know who He is. Not just who He is as the big being in the sky, but wanted to know who He is personally and wanted to be able to experience Him. And God wanted mankind to be able to have that. So what did God do? He gave us Word. And what is the word that He gave us? It's Jesus Christ. You see, God became man and God walked among us. And that's verse 2 and verse 3. The, the word was with God uh, and, and then He became flesh and He dwelt among us. And we're going to talk about that in weeks to come. But let's just know this. Jesus is the word and Jesus is God. Okay, I want everyone in here to say it on the count of three. Jesus is God. So one... Two, three. Jesus is God. Okay, and that's going to be kind of the crux of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, The title of the message is Divinity, which for those of you who know anything about the English language, that comes from the English word divine, which means, or comes from the word deity, which deity comes from the Latin word deus, which means God. Okay, everyone got that? So the title of the message is kind of what we're talking about tonight, how Jesus is God. And now I just want to take like a little break. Can you, can you guys take a break with me? We're going to kind of jump away from talking about Jesus as God. So we're going to talk about something that was very important that was going on at the time that John was writing this gospel. At the time that John was writing this gospel, remember we talked last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, but the gospel was probably written somewhere in the early 90s AD, not the 1990s for all of you who were born in the early 90s. This was written in the early 90s AD. So we're talking uh, about 60 years or so after Jesus. And now something had already occurred in the church, and there were a group of people who were going around who were calling themselves the Gnostics. Okay, everyone would say Gnostic. Gnostic. Okay, does anyone know where the word Gnostic comes from? Anyone? Any guesses? No. Okay. Trevor? Is it the knowledge of? Oh, very good. Why Why would you say knowledge? That's good. Gnostic, no. Okay, very good. Yes, actually, that's very good. Uh, the word Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosos, which is knowledge. And so the Gnostics are those who are thinking they know, those who are claiming to be enlightened with some extra 
enlightenment, some extra knowledge. And what the Gnostics uh, believed, uh, all Gnostics in the 1st and 2nd century believed that all matter is evil. So, um, my body is evil. This music stand uh, is by nature evil. Okay? Uh, the, the, the trees, the planet we live on, all physical matter is evil. Okay? And though they are coined as being the bad guys, um, there is a little bit of truth to that. Okay? We live in a fallen world. Okay? Since Adam and Eve, since they sinned, all matter, all physical things have come under the curse. So yes, they are evil, but they take this thing just a little step further. They say all matter is evil and only the spirit is good. Okay? This, I mean, this is starting to sound like Christianity, right? Uh, matter is evil, humanity is evil, um, but only the spirit is good. The Bible even tells us that there is not one good person, no, not one, only the Father in heaven is good. Okay? So it's starting to sound good, but this is where they get a little bit uh, creepy. They say, uh, because all matter is uh, evil, and since only the spirit is good, Jesus could not have become, God could not have become a man. Because God is perfect, and matter is evil, and God can't occupy both, so God never actually became a human, because that would be unlike God to become evil. So what they say, Gnostics went around and they were teaching that Jesus was just some sort of just spirit, okay? that he wasn't actually man, that when he walked, he didn't leave footprints of the sand, but he just kind of like floated, you know, like Chris Angel style. Uh, and, and like when he ate food, he didn't actually ever swallow it. He just appeared to be chewing it and then it vanished. Woo, uh, crazy. So what they said was that since God is good and since matter is evil, Jesus was not human. Jesus was not flesh. But just so happens that our author of the book of John also wrote a few other books in the Bible. And he wrote a book that we have in our English translation of the Bible. It's called 1 John. It's actually just a letter that he wrote uh, to some churches. And it says this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. We read it last week. But if you want to just take a look at it again, turn, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And this is what it says. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This is referring to Jesus, and John is saying, we have not only seen him, but we have heard him. But I guess for a Gnostic, you could probably see and or hear an essence. But if he wasn't a physical being, how on earth could you touch him? And so John says, you know what, Gnostics? You're wrong. Okay? Jesus was very much man, and he was also very much God. He was the Word of God. He was God. We were able to touch Him. We were able to feel Him. We were able to see Him. We were able to hear Him. Uh, they, they, they didn't taste Him. That's the other thing. Uh, but Jesus had a body. So Jesus was man. But Jesus was also God. Okay? Both. He was 100% man. And He was 100% God. He wasn't 50% man and 50% God. Like some days he's going to be God, the other days he's going to be manly. No, he was 100% man. So Jesus was like the most manly person there is, okay? And he was 100% God. So he was the most godly man, the most holy man there ever was. He was divine, yet he was human. Is anyone like, how does that work? 
Anyone else there? Because at times I'm like, how on earth does this work? Okay? But we gotta believe it on faith, because that's what the Bible says. And then if you really want to get fancy, you can go and just read a bunch of theology on it. Uh, and it breaks it down a little bit more for you. But we're not gonna do that tonight, because I want to just continue on. Because this is what the Gnostics also taught. Okay? The Gnostics also taught, well they said, okay, okay, if you felt Jesus, if you saw him, if you heard him, then we'll submit to you, yeah, he was a man. He was physical. He was, you could touch him. But because he was physical, then he is in no way God. And they taught that Jesus was just a good man. How many of you have ever heard that before? Okay, this is completely later on in the sermon. But I'm going to hit on this because I want us to start thinking about it. In our society, and in our culture, and the world that we live in now, how many of you guys have ever heard, well, you know, Jesus isn't God, but, I mean, he was a good man. He was a good prophet. You know, he went around doing good things. Maybe he had the Spirit of God in him. But he, he was just a man, right? How many of you guys have ever heard that before? Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But I want you to write down three things. So if you're taking notes, using paper and pen, paper and pencil, maybe you're using a smartphone, I want you to write down three points. Because we've got three very keen points that we're going to talk about tonight. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Jesus being God, and when it comes to John chapter 1, verse 1. Our first point, okay? So point number one. Jesus, He is eternally God. Jesus is eternally God. How can we say this with all assurance? Turn with me, if you will, back in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 1. And we've already read it enough times that we can probably all quote it. What does it say? In the beginning was the Word. The Word. Okay, so, in the beginning was the Word. It didn't say... From the beginning. It didn't say, well, since the beginning. Okay? This is important. You might think, well, that's just semantics. That's just the English language. No, it says, in the beginning was the Word. It means He was there before the beginning as well. Because if it meant He had a beginning at the beginning, it would say from the beginning or since the beginning. Yes? So He knew that man was already a sin before? Yes. Because God knows everything. That is crazy. That's crazy. And that's actually, we're going to hit that in like two weeks. What? We'll be here in two weeks. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, like Thinking ahead. But that's good. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. He was in the beginning, not from the beginning. And and that's going to come, I mean, that's talked about and, and gets brought up a lot when we're starting to talk about some things we're going to talk about later on. I don't want to spoil any of that yet. But a lot of people say that Jesus was created. And there's a lot of beliefs that Jesus started at the beginning, but wasn't before the beginning of time. Okay, But I want us to know this, and I want us to be 100% assured in this, that Jesus is eternally God. He always has been, and He always will be. He was before the beginning of time. He will be after time. Jesus is God. Thus, Jesus is eternal. In John chapter 1, verse 1, and many other portions of Scripture tell us, but we're just talking about John chapter 1, verse 1 tonight. He is eternally God. The second point, Jesus, He is equally God. He is equally God. What is the second part of John chapter 1, verse 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So the Word simultaneously uh, exists with God. So now God here being talked about here is the Word was with God. That is God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We see the Trinity here. Jesus is with the rest of the Godhead there in the beginning. God is one. 
Okay, and Deuteronomy tells us, I think I mentioned this last week, I told you I didn't want to mention it last week, but I did, and so I'm going to mention it again to those who weren't here last week. But Deuteronomy tells us, and Habakkuk tells us, that God is one. And that word one there is the Hebrew word akkad, which is E-C-H-O-D, for any of you who like to write down Hebrew words. Akkad, and what akkad means is it means one, but it means a different kind of one than our understanding of one. When I would say one, what would you think of? Single. Okay? It's one unit. Okay? But what akkad means, the Hebrew word for one there, means a compound unity. Okay? So if I were to say we the people, okay, we're not just one person, but we have oneness about us. Does that make sense? We the people. Okay? Akkad is the same word that is used when a man and a woman come together to make one flesh. Okay? That's a whole other subject. We can talk about sex for a long time. Biblically, okay, and how when man and woman come together, something happens, there's a oneness that is formed that can't actually be separated, okay? There's a oneness, and that's a cod. But, we're not talking about that tonight, that's another time, and another subject. Cod meaning compound unity. God is one. So people like to say, well, you have your Father, you have your... Holy Spirit, and you have Jesus Christ, that's that, that's three distinct things, right? Okay, yeah, that is three distinct things. Yeah, but here's the deal. People will say one plus one plus one equals what? Three. Three. You guys are all smart, right? One plus one equals two plus another one equals three. No matter how you cut it, slice it, three distinct things make the number three. But here's the deal. That word akkad is compound. Unity. So how many of you guys know anything about numbers, math, finances, or anything like that? Okay? What does like compounding do? It means you're what? Multiplying. Multiplying. Okay? So now we're not talking about the addition of the Godhead. It's a compound unity. So one times one times one. You have your three compounded in unity. What does one times one times one equal? One. One. Well, what do you know? That's crazy. God's word's also good at math. It's not just good at theology, it's good at math. God is one, and he is three in one. And Jesus was with God and was equally God. The Bible also tells us that uh, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself. Okay? Um, Jesus is God. Not only is he eternally God, but our second point is he is equally God. And the last point here, uh, Jesus... He is essentially God. What's the last part of it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, in His essence, in the essential Jesus, Jesus is God. No matter how you slice it, no matter what. And so the Gnostic heresy is what it is. It's a heresy. Does anyone know what a heresy means? Anyone know what heresy means? Okay, false teaching, wrong, yeah. It goes against Scripture. It goes against truth. Heresy is literally anti-truth, okay? And so, the Gnostic heresy is broken by John chapter 1, verse 1. But here's the thing. The Gnostics weren't just around in the first century. They weren't just around in the second century, or the third, or the fourth. Gnostics are still very much around today. And so you might ask the question, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard of Gnostics. Aren't they called agnostics? Okay, that's a different thing. 
Okay, uh, it has its roots in Gnosticism, uh, but Gnostics are still around today. What do I mean when I say Gnostics are still uh, around today and are still spreading? Okay, Gnosticism is spreading at a very rapid pace today, and this is what I want to say about that. We're going to just talk a little bit about this. Uh, all cults. Have you guys ever heard of a cult before? Yeah. Okay. All cults stem from Gnosticism. Fun fact for you. It's really not that fun because they're evil. But uh, all cults stem from Gnosticism. Okay? And as a result, all cults seem to question the divinity of Christ. What's one that we can talk about? Mormonism. Okay? What's another one we can talk about? Jehovah's Witness. Uh, There's many, many more. In science, uh, it goes on and on and on and on and on. But all of them, at the root, they question the divinity of of Christ. So how do we talk to someone in a cult? How do we talk to a Mormon? How do we talk to a Jehovah Witness? How do we talk to someone who doesn't believe in the deity of Christ? How do we talk to them about who Christ is? Well, I just want to give you a little bit of fun. You guys want a little bit of fun here? Okay. This is like the woo Now we're going to take it and run with it. Turn with me if you will in your Bibles. Now I'm really going to have you actually flip there. Uh, because I want you guys to all underline this. Okay? You don't have a pen. Look at your neighbor and say, hold on with your pen, please. Um... Turn with me, if you will, to Revelations chapter 21. This is important. I think every, I think every Bible-believing Christian uh, needs to understand this. Because Mormons are going to come to your door. And they're going to knock on your door. And they're going to say, hey, how's it going? Can we talk to you about Jesus Christ today? How many of you guys have ever had that happen before? Mormon come riding up on a bike. I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ today. They always come in a bike. They wear, like, the good, good station. Station. They're all from Portland. They all ride bikes. So, uh, uh, how many of you guys have ever had a Jehovah Witness come? Knock on your door and be like, hey, we'd like to talk to you about the Holy Scriptures. Right? We're talking to you about Jesus. Okay? It happens. And I'm not, like, making fun of them up here, like, talking that voice. That's just how most of them sound. Like, yeah, that's not true. Um, but here's the thing. They always want to talk. And most Christians, and maybe you're a culprit of this as well, uh, what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. How many of you guys are there? Let me know by saying holla. Holla. If you're not in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 yet, let me know by saying hold up. Alright, you guys are all there. This is what it says in verse 5. It says, and then, and what I want you to do, is as we're reading this, I'm going to ask you the same question. But this is the question I want you to ask a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. This is what it says. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these words, because they are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give 
of the fountains of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. So, who is this saying this? Jesus. What was that? Jesus. Okay, Jesus. That's one guess. It's a good guess. That's a good guess. That's a good guess, but it's not what we're looking for. Because a Mormon's not going to say that. A Mormon's going to say, that's the Father. Okay, how many of you guys in your Bibles do you have a red letter edition? It just means that's what Jesus said is in red. Okay, you'll notice that this is in black. Okay, now they're going to say, Father. I'm with Dan. This is Jesus. Okay, uh, because Jesus and the Father, they are one. Now, if we look at it in the whole context of Revelation chapter 21, this is very much God the Father sitting on the throne. Okay, and he says this. And so when they will tell you, a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness, they will say, oh yeah, that's, that's God. That's God saying that. Yeah, that's God. That's God the Father. Then what I want you to do is I want you to turn your Bible one page over to Revelation chapter 22. And then ask them the same question. Well then, my friend, who is saying this? Verse 13 of 22. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The same person who said this said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps my word. Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to everyone according to his work. Who is this? Jesus. Jesus. How do you know it's Jesus? Red. Well, it's in red, but to them who don't have red letter Bibles, how do we know it's Jesus? Look down at verse 16. What does verse 16 say? The first two words of verse 16. I, Jesus. I, Jesus. Jesus is claiming to be the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Now, either they will say, well, there is two Alphas and there is two Omegas. There is two beginnings and there is two ends, which is a conundrum to even the brilliant most brilliant people. That's not, and they will not be able to say that. So, either Jesus, their hero, not God, but their hero, is a liar, claiming to be the same as God the Father, or would it be a better summation from all this that Jesus making these claims and God the Father making these claims are actually one and the same? Jesus Christ is God. And, that's just one, I mean, if you guys really want to like have fun doing this, because hey, what does the Bible tell us to do? The Bible tells us to go into all the nations, preaching the name of Jesus, right? It says, um, it says, go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the ends of the earth, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, to be witnesses. Okay? God commissioned us to go. Okay? So how's, how do we go? How are we doing in our going? He tells us to go tell people about Him. How are we doing? How am I doing in telling people about Jesus? Well, do we just wait for the people who we're not going to have an argument with? We really, really don't want to get into the debate, so go, go through the drive-thru at Carl's Jr. like, God bless you, right? Okay. Ah, I witnessed today. Yes, I told him God bless him. Okay, that's good. That's awesome. Do that. I mean, it's a start. That's great. But God wants us to go beyond just the God blesses. Okay? Yeah, uh, you can just say God bless you when someone sneezes. I don't know if that's witnessing. Uh, but He wants us to really have conversation with people. Someone had a conversation with you. I remember someone had a conversation with me. I'm glad. I'm glad my dad did not just say, Well, you know what, son? God bless you. And then just went on his way. He like sat me down and he said, this is what it's all about. 
It's like, whoa, okay, thank you, Dad. I mean, th- think. For each and every single one of you who put your faith in Jesus Christ, someone sat down and talked to you. Maybe they stood up, maybe you're standing in like the line at a mall or something. But someone told you about Jesus. And it was compelling enough to be like, alright, Jesus is real. And Jesus is God. We're going to continue on just a little bit. I got a little bit excited because I get excited about these things. Guys, we are, I'm still excited about this. We are called to tell people about Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Okay? That's what, I remember the very first time I told someone about Jesus. I had to have been 10 years old. I, I knew nothing. Okay? All I knew was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. I wanted to tell everyone, Hey, did you know that God loves you so much that He gave you His only Son? Did you know that God loves you so much? Okay? And here's the crazy thing. This is the sad thing. I wish I was kind of excited as I was when I was 10. Okay? Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any inhibitions. I didn't care what people thought. I'm 10 years old. I throw mud at people for all I care, you know? And like, uh, I do. I mean, Derek and Trevor are back here. They grew up with me, okay? We grew up on the block, alright? And we used to throw rocks at kids, okay? Actually, Derek was new to our neighborhood. He moved in like two and a half years after me. And me and my buddy Trevor, okay? Uh, which Trevor loved Jesus also. What we did was we just threw rocks at the new people. And so when, when, when Derek got there, we threw some rocks at Derek, okay? It was cool. It was cool. It was fun. But, but I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Derek and I have talked about Jesus. Oh, see? And there now we have a hot tub and we've talked about God in the hot tub for like an hour. It's fun. It's hot are great. Um, it's great. Not good on a 90 degree day, but uh, still good. That's completely off topic. Um, I know, it's great. It's the point. It's the point right? it's the yeah, point. but God wants us to tell people about Him. Okay, that's what, that's what we're made for. Okay? We're not made to be successful. That's just the byproduct. Okay? We're not made to drive a cool car, live in a cool house. We're not made for this or that. We're made for a purpose. Okay? They say the two greatest moments in a man's life are when he's born and then when he realizes why he was born. Okay? And once you put your faith in Jesus, you realize that you were born so that other people can be born again. So that other people can know the truth that you now know. Now I have no clue where I am in my notes. Okay. Uh, you can't have two beginnings. You can't have two ends. Okay. Um, Jesus and God, they are the same. And this is essential uh, and it's important to our belief. Uh, and this would be, in my personal opinion, uh, this would be one of two, yeah, I'd say two, just off the top of my head, two non-negotiables. Okay? Two non-negotiables. In order to be someone who is a Christian, in order to be someone who is saved, I'd say, number one, you have to believe that Jesus is God. If you don't, I'm questioning your salvation, because what are you putting your faith in? Something that's false. The second would be that God's Word is 100% true. Okay, and it's authoritative, and there's others, but these are non-negotiables. Um, but in God's Word, how many of you guys know we live in a world where God's Word is challenged, uh, God's Word is debated? Okay, people are like, I don't know if that's really what God meant when He said that. Okay, let me just, this, this is the short version, I could just finish this all up in one thing. Uh, if God said it, He meant it, okay, uh, but now we're going to really just break down a, a lot more. So you got like an extra 20 minutes of me talking. Um, Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. And John chapter 1, verse 1, are the two most debated portions of Scripture in all of the Bible. Okay? We're going to break down Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Does anyone know what that is? Does anyone know what Genesis 1, 1 says? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is probably number one 
the most debated portion of Scripture. Why? Well, because naturalists and you name it, they reject the fact that there is a creator. What a naturalist would say is they say, well, no, there it can't be some god because that's that's an ancient way of thinking. That's magic and myth. I mean, there can't be God. Science has an answer. This is the answer. Blah, 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 blah. Okay? They can prove there is no God. There's no need for a God. But really what it all boils down to is the naturalistic point of view ends you with this. There are no moral absolutes. There's no real truth. Truth is just in the eye of the beholder. So what is true to Corey may be false to me. But what is true to me may be false to Corey. It's a conundrum. Because if there is truth, if there is absolutes, what it really boils down to is that the naturalist point of view, those who would reject Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, what it all boils down to is there's no absolutes. So, to you, gravity's holding you down. But guess what? I can beat gravity. I can fly. What? And you can't tell me otherwise. Dang it. I can't prove that I can fly, but I can tell you I can, so it's true to me. Flying my dreams. What now? And like, I mean, there's no reality to it. Oh, well, you know what? Gravity, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Void, velocity and all those things. Yeah, uh, an object in motion will stay in motion. Well, no. I mean, you just start breaking all these things down, and there's really no absolutes. I want to just really further this, because those were really bad scientific examples. Um, but here's what makes the whole thing clear. Uh, in 1940, okay, 1940, uh, the Fullerton Police Department, did I said in California, uh, the Fullerton Police Department and the California uh, School or Education Board, they did a study in 1940 what the most problematic things that high school students and high school teachers were facing in high school. I'm going to read you the list. Okay, now I want you to think about high school. Top like five or six things that were the worst problems in 1940 in comparison to what you went through. 1940, the number one worst problem in high schools in 1940. People talking when they're not supposed to be. Number two, <laughs> chewing gum. How many of you guys remember when gum was like, you couldn't chew gum in middle schools? In elementary schools? Thank God for high school students, high school teachers who like gum. Um, number three, biggest problem in schools, 1940, running in the hall. <laughs> no, no, check this out. This is high schoolers. Number four, cutting in line. We're talking like 17 year olds. That's our biggest problem is cutting in line. 1940, okay? The greatest generation. This is the greatest generation. No, no, here we go. Number five, inappropriate clothing. You want to know what inappropriate clothing was back then? Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Your shirt's untucked. Your tie's a little bit loose. Dang it. That girl, her skirt came up to her calves. Oh my gosh. Right? I mean, like, these are crazy things. Okay. Number, this is like number six worst thing that could go on in schools back then. People just didn't know how to put their garbage in the wastebasket. What a problem. What a problem. Okay. They, same two people did the study again in the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And this is where it gets, this is where it gets kind of scary. Number one problems in high school. I Okay, let's just think. Y'all been to high school, I think. Uh, remember your high school. I mean, early 2000s, I think we... 
Were any of us in high school in the early 2000s? I was. Yeah. Oh, Raise your hand if you were in high school in the early 2000s. Holla! Okay. Uh, mid 2000s. Yeah, like 2004. Yeah, and through 2000. Okay. Uh, if you graduated when it was 2000, like double digit, like 2010, that's awesome. But that study doesn't apply to you guys. I actually looked at the study for you guys, but it was crazy. I'm not even going to mention it because I can't mention it from the pulpit. But the early 2000s. The early 2000s. Number one problem, I thought it was going to be alcohol, uh, but apparently I went to a pretty chill school because alcohol is not number one. Uh, number one was drugs, okay? Drugs far surpassed everything. Number one problem in high school is drug use. Number two is alcohol. Number three is pregnancies. Pregnancies. This one blew my mind. The number four biggest problem in the California school districts is rape on campus. Yep. What? That would happen. Rape on campus. Blows my mind. Theft, violence, and bombs. Oh, that, that one's right at the top. Now, the naturalist says there's no moral absolutes. Do you want to know when the naturalistic idea of thinking started being implemented in public schools? The, the late 40s, early 50s. Their methodology has been brought generations... This is the, I don't believe in Genesis 1-1, I don't believe in the Bible. We've gone from running in the halls to raping kids in the bathroom. And that's all because we're rejecting Scripture. When there's no moral truth, when there's no moral absolutes, the doors are left wide open for anything. Because guess what? To the person who's blowing up schools with bombs, shooting schools with guns... Hey, that's fine to them, because, you know, there's no real truth. That's what the naturalistic point of view teaches. And it's sad. Uh, and it all stems from an evolutionary idea of thought, that it's just survival of the fittest, you know. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to survive. And I'm going to beat these people by doing that. There's no moral absolutes, I'm just an animal. I'm just a monkey. I'm going to keep going. That's what it all stems from. And so without Genesis 1-1, uh, society unravels itself. Okay? Society will unravel itself, and we are seeing society unravel itself right in front of us. The number two most debated verse in the Bible is John chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, and it's also attacked, but it's not attacked by the naturalists. The naturalists, they don't even care about John chapter 1, verse 1. But it's the cultists and those who believe uh, in the teachings of these cults uh, who attack John chapter 1, verse 1, which claims that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and that the Word was God. What they attack is the fact that Jesus is divine. And they say, no, he's not. And with every cult, with every cult there is, and with many major world religions as well, they all claim to have, you all hear them say this, we have the new truth, the new revelation. We got this new thing. Well, can I let you know this? Um, that if it's new, it's not true. It's not true. Wow, that and if it's true, then it's not new. Okay? There's no new truth. Okay? We go as far as to say there's nothing new under the sun, which is the truth. Okay? There's no new truth. Um, what they like to say is uh, there is a God. Oh, there is a God. Yeah, he's a good God. He's up in the sky. Good. Watch it out for us. Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Jesus was a great God. He was the essence of God. Oh, man, he had God's spirit in him. God adopted him. Oh, he was just a great prophet. Good man, did many good things. Oh, you think he was God? No, no, I don't think he was God. I just think he was, he was a godly guy. Okay? And that's what all of them 
all of them say. You can know a cult uh, for three uh, different things because all cults have these. Number one, cults are exclusive. They're the only ones that are right. They're the only ones that are right. So if ever you're in a place, because this happens under the banner of Christianity, okay? So this is like, um, this is what the early disciples even talked about. They said, hey, watch out for false teachers, wolves in sheep's clothing, okay? If ever you're at a place, if ever you're at a church, if ever you're at a Bible study, okay? And then, I want you guys all to be, like, paying attention on this one, because this is crazy. If you're ever at a church or a Bible study where they say, you know, we are the only ones who are right, we have this exclusive truth that only our group really has this new revelation. Like, we're the ones who really understand Scripture the right way. Uh, all the other Christians, yeah, I don't know about them, but like, our group is the only group. Like, our group of 50 or our group of 100, you know, like, or our group of five. Or then there's some people like, my group of one. Yes. Me, myself, and I, we're doing it right. Okay. Um, our generation would be like, me, myself, and I, but, uh, and I, ah, dumb joke, dumb joke. Uh, but any mutually exclusive group, uh, they uh, are not right, okay? Uh, we, as uh, a body of believers, uh, it doesn't matter what denomination you are, doesn't matter what color skin you got, Here's the deal. If you're believing in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and if you're believing that He is God, then we're all part of a bigger family. Okay? That's not mutually exclusive. I might have a different theological idea than you, um, but we're still in the same family. Okay? But when they start saying, nope, we're the only ones right, everyone else is wrong, boom, they're all sinners, they're all dead, they're like, okay, it starts getting really a little bit weird. The number two thing, uh, all cults, um, they have authority issues. Okay? Uh, any cult, the leader says, submit to me. Okay? So guys, if I ever get to the point where I start saying, do my bidding, you only come if you do exactly what I say. I have this new truth. Uh, I'm the coolest. Uh, no. And, and, and if, if anyone's ever trying to like control you, okay? Like, this is what you can read. This is what you can't read. This is what you can listen to. This is what you can't listen to. Okay, that's a very good sign that Mm, I'm going to take a step back and be like, alright, what are they actually really teaching? Okay, This is what the Apostle Paul had to say. Because some, some people are like, well, my, my, my church like loves me, but they have authority over me. Yeah, that's, that, that's good. Okay, uh, Your church should have some sort of authority. But this is what Paul said. Paul says, we don't want to come Lord over you. Okay, We want to come alongside you and help. That's what the church of Christ, that's what the body of Christ is all about. We're about coming alongside, not dictating you. Like, you got to do this, and then wash my dishes. Okay, Dan, you can, no, you don't have to wash my dishes. That'd be bad. Uh, so if you're ever anywhere near something like that, uh, run from it. Run from it, okay? Uh, thirdly, they all attack John chapter 1, verse 1. They deny the deity of Christ. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really kind of hit, like hitting this over and over again. I think if we were keeping a tally of how many times I've said the divinity of Christ or the deity of Christ and Gnostics and cults trying to attack it, um, it'd be a lot. And, and there's a reason why. Because the question has been brought up, especially in our generation. Our generation is like known for this. Like, well, what does it actually really matter? You know, like, well, maybe he wasn't God. Maybe he was just in essence. What does it really matter? I still believe. Right? How many of you guys have ever heard that? Or maybe you yourself have said that. Okay? I mean, there's been times where I'm like, well, what does it really matter? I just still believe. But 
then it's like, okay, no, it really actually does matter. Okay? The question, uh, well, why does it matter if God was created, or if Jesus was created, or if He is eternally God? The reason why. One of the reasons why, not the reason. But if we open that door, if we open the door and say, ah, it's okay if Jesus was created, it's all good, we still have faith, it's good. Uh, if we open that door, then we open the door for Corey Smith to come up and say, you know what? I'm God's adopted son. I am the new Messiah. And we open the door for not, not just Corey Smith, anybody to step up and say, I have the Christ consciousness. I am God. I'm adopted. Yeah, like, and we open those doors. For people to say, I'm God. I am the Son of God. There's two things in this world uh, that are very much for sure. There is a God, and you are not Him. There is a God, and you are not Him. Okay? And if you want to say, well, you know, it's okay if Jesus was created or not, open the door to say, you are God. If we deny Jesus uh, as God... Uh, we open up even worse doors. And with that, I'm going to have Bo. Uh, Bo and the worship team are going to come back up. And they're just going to play softly in the back as we come to a close. Um, but if we uh, deny Jesus Christ as God, uh, then we open up an even worse door than just the door of, oh, I can become a God now. Uh, we open up the door uh, that says, um, well, Jesus, I know what you did. But you know, it just doesn't matter to me. We open up the door that says, all right, I know you claim to be God, but Jesus, you're not really God. Uh, What you did, God becoming man and living here on earth, eh, whatever. This, I just want to use an example for you guys, okay? This is the example that I heard when it comes to this, and I think this is perfect, okay? Um, Let's say my good friend Ben, okay? My good friend Ben was over at his house, and I was helping him. And, and he had a few fallen trees, and he rented a wood chipper, okay? Um, and, uh, can you feel the sound system? It's a little loud. Just press the button on the back. Um, bye, buddy. Okay, so, Ben's over at his house, he's got some fallen trees, and, uh, he's got a wood chipper, and I'm over there helping him. And Ben, he picks up a tree that's probably a little too big for him. And he starts putting it in the wood chipper. But, like, he realizes he can't, like, snag his coat, and he can't get off, and he's being pulled into the wood chipper. Okay? Well, me seeing Ben being pulled into the wood chipper, I'd be like, I don't want Ben to get chipped. So what I do is I run over there. Okay? And I, like, save Ben, but at the same time I'm saving Ben, my hands got caught in the wood chipper. And they took my hands off all the way down to, like, my bone, like, right here. Okay? I lost both my hands and the front parts of my arms. Meat grinded, arms ripped up, bones exposed. But I saved Ben. Thank you. And then after all this, after all this, kind of catching my breath because of the adrenaline and everything, and Ben's like, whoa, I almost just got chipped. And then someone, Dan, Dan comes up and goes, whoa, Ben, Ben, Matt just saved your life. And Ben looks over at me, stumps and all, and he looks over at me, and he says, oh, no, that wasn't Matt. He goes, no, that wasn't Matt. That might have just been like the essence of Matt. Maybe it was Matt's cologne. Maybe it was just like someone who looked like Matt, but it really wasn't Matt. And I'm standing there with the nubs. Like, look! Ben, I saved your life! And you're like, eh, I don't think it was you. 
don't think it was you. That would be, honestly, one of the most insulting things I could ever hear. I'm sitting here, blood dripping from my arms. I just saved your life. And you reject it. And that's exactly what happens when people reject Jesus as God. Because God, He came in, and He walked on the earth, and He dwelt among us, and He lived a life just like us, and then He died. And He died so that you could have forgiveness. He died so that your sins could be forgiven. He died so that you could be set free. But not only did He die, He also rose from the dead. And He did that all because He loves us. And for us to deny that Jesus Christ is God is for us not only to look and insult God, but it's also for us to really spit in His face. To spit in His face and be like, you know what, God, you're not good enough. So much more than even spitting in His face. It's like we decided we wanted to soil on His grace. We wanted just to say, you know what? Whatever, God. Whatever. And that's what people do when they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as God. When they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, then we shall be saved. That's all you got to do. Gotta believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. But what is so oftenly happening in our society today and in our generation is they say, well, you know what it means to truly accept Jesus Christ as Lord? That word Lord, it really just means like ruler and governor of my life. Like he oversees everything. It doesn't really mean that he's God. And if that's the case, there's not one person on the face of the planet currently or in history or who will ever come that could truly make the claim that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the ruler over every area of my life. Because every one of us has struggled with sin. Every one of us has something that's, that we've hidden. You know? And we couldn't say Jesus Christ is Lord of everything. But when we actually really look at what this verse says, that word Lord there is the word Lord that means Yahweh, which means God, which is God the Father, Jehovah, Elohim, God the Father. And so what Romans chapter 10 is saying, if you believe that Jesus Christ is God, then you can be saved. John chapter 1 verse 1. I'm going to invite you guys just to stand your feet. We're going to worship God tonight. Uh, But we're going to pray uh, before we do that. And I just want to give each and every single one of us the opportunity. If you have never... If you have never decided, I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is God. And if you've never made that decision tonight, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I don't want anyone looking around. This is just between you and God. If you're here tonight and you said, I have never made the claim that Jesus Christ is God and I want Him to be the Lord, the Savior of my life, the Bible tells us all we have to do is believe it and confess it, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if there's anyone here tonight who for the first time in their lives, they're saying, you know what? Jesus Christ is God, and I want Him to be the Lord of my life. If there's anyone here tonight, just let me know by raising your hand, saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you've heard it all before. Maybe you've heard all before, but you're saying, you know what? I'm not living for God right now. I've denied Christ the way I've been living my life. And you want to say right now that today you want to follow Jesus with everything you've got and you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. If that's you and you said, I haven't been living for Jesus, but I want to live for Him now. If that's you, just let me know by raising your hand. Amen. 
Amen. See those hands. Praise God. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, that In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is eternally God. And the Word was with God. Jesus is equally God. And the Word was God. Jesus is essentially God. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus did die. And He did rise again. And now that same Jesus wants to lead and demand our devotion. And as we follow Him, He opens doors for us. The same God that created, the same God that became man, the same God who will return is the same God who desires a personal relationship and personal experience with each and every single one of us. So let's just pray together, guys. And we're going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Before we even pray, I just want you guys on the count of three, we're all going to say that together. Uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. So one, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And God, we declare that tonight, that you are God. Jesus, you are God. God, and we thank you for what you've done for us. God, we thank you that you loved us. God, with your infinite wisdom, you saw fit to become man and to reveal yourself to us. God, you showed us your word, which revealed your heart, which revealed your mind, which revealed your love for us. So, God, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you that you sent your son to live a perfect life and to die and to raise again so that we can have everlasting life with you. God, for those who raised their hand, God said, tonight is the night where I want to make the decision to follow you. For those who raised their hand and said, I haven't been following God, but I want to follow Him now. God, we all declare, every single one of us in this room, God, we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe, God, that you raised your Son from the dead. God, that as a result, your word tells us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, God, we thank you for your salvation. God, we love you. And we worship you. God, we praise you. God, thank you for who you are. God, we just declare that you are king with everything we have. We declare that you are king. Let's sing this song together.
everything we do, we seek to bring honor and glory to your name. God, go with us as we go from this place. God, as we go in fellowship, may we be a light in this world of darkness. God, we thank you and praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's saints said, Amen. Amen. Well, hey guys, you grab a seat. You grab a seat. Thank you, worship team. Uh, just a few quick announcements, nothing big. Uh, if you went camping this last weekend with me and the rest of the church uh, and you have not paid, uh, I would love to receive your payment tonight. But if not, no worries. Uh, and if the rest of you, you don't owe me anything, which is good. Uh, and then I want to let you guys know that we have our uh, life groups, our young adults, uh, our young ladies' life group. It's not meeting this Thursday. Oh, because it's Aaron's birthday, which means God is not me. So starting next week, uh, young uh, uh, young women's life group and young guys' life group uh, are starting back up. Uh, so yeah, that's good. Uh, we have in the back on the back table, we have some bracelets that say "Grow, Solely Go, uh, Grow," uh, and we are still praying uh, for Dusty Stevens, his nephew Soli, uh, who was born uh, five months early. Uh, and Aaron was just with Dusty, so do you have any information you want to give us? Yeah, he is still on oxygen, but he's up to 10 pounds now. So he was born five months early, and that was seven months ago. Okay, he was given 5% chance of living, uh, and he is well over 80% chance of living now. Some really cool things that are going on. God's just doing some amazing miracles. So keep them in your prayers. We've got some bracelets back there for you that you can just grab, throw them on uh, to remind you to pray for souls. That'd be awesome. Uh, and our last announcement uh, is that uh, we're going out. And so we're going out. Shut up, Charles. All right, I'll let you guys decide. Uh, you guys are uh, uh, It's so you know, expensive. We're adjourned, so meet someone there, hang out, you dollars. Yeah. In college money. That's how we're supposed to be at half the speed? I know, the AC unit is off, and uh, it's really hot in here, so I'm just on it's great. How's it going? I'm Matt. Don't ask him. supposed to be at half the speed of that. <laughs> it's the drums. They set the tempo there. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm just like, it's hot. Oh, crap. It's not a good day. You slam it, dude. I love it.
the full Yeah. <laughs> 
And he's like, oh, right, 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 right,